Hey guys, thank you so much for um, tuning in today. And we are super excited for this Wednesday evening to begin a brand new series on prayer. Yeah, that's right. That's that's it. That's the, the whole entire name of this series is prayer. And so the whole idea behind this series of what we want to do is we want to take some different types of uh, prayers that are in scripture and be able to apply these prayers to our own life, to be able to pray these prayers to help us draw near to our Savior. And you know, you might be like me in the sense of sometimes when we go to pray, we feel like we want to pray and we want to grow closer to God, but we just don't know the exact words to say, right? We do really good, you know, in small group or um, with with people we meet with in, in different Bible studies, or maybe we go specifically to a prayer meeting, and we do a good job of like asking for prayer requests or praying for these prayer requests. And that's good, and that's awesome, but sometimes we can oftentimes get stuck in that mode, and we don't realize all these different ways that we can pray and draw near to Jesus. And so this, this whole entire series, there's um, going to be two parts, um, as I guess you could say. The first part are four different types of prayer, and those different types of prayer are going to be um, prayer for need, which is what we're going to be going through um, tonight. Uh, the prayer of lament, which I can't wait to um, hear and see that next week when, when Hannah talks about it. Um, prayer of intercession, and then a prayer of dedication. Just four types of prayers that we can be constantly praying to help us draw near to Jesus. And then there, in the second part, we're going to be looking at these, these quote-unquote dangerous prayers that if we pray them, we need to mean them. Like, they're, they're serious prayers that, that if you pray these, man, Jesus is going to do big things through you if you're willing to do them. And so these these dangerous prayers are adapted from a book called Dangerous Prayers, <laughs> funny enough, um, by Craig Rochelle. So if you have, you know, some time this semester, I would highly suggest reading that book. Very good, very impactful. Um, but these four dangerous prayers are search me, speak to me, break me, and send me. And so if you're like me, you probably hear, you know, these dangerous prayers and think like, what, what makes these prayers dangerous? And, and as I said it before, if we pray these prayers, then God will show up. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. He will show up and do these things if we're willing to be used by him. It doesn't mean they're going to be easy. Oftentimes, I would say they're going to be the most difficult things you do. Um, but the more you do these hard things and these difficult things that God wants to do through you, the more transformative your life will become and the more you're going to grow closer to Jesus and see how he wants to use you for kingdom impact. And so this week, as we're beginning this prayer or this series on prayer, we're going to look at Nehemiah. Um, maybe you've heard of this guy before. He's a super cool character in the Old Testament and his story begins with prayer. Um, his story begins um, in this time in scripture where um, the, it was after the Babylonians had taken over Jerusalem and the, taken the Israelites and put them in um, captivity in Babylon, um, basically a time of exile. And after um, God had eventually, um, you know, taken back over Babylon, these people were taken back to Jerusalem to, to live back in, in the original kingdom in, in Israel. Um, Israelites living in Israel, you know, again. And so um, 
in this time of, of Nehemiah, though, um, where we see him enter into the story, he is the cupbearer of this this guy, this king, King Artaxerxes. And so um, when Nehemiah is in this position of cupbearer, he's kind of like the, the second-hand man, I guess you'd say, who would um, basically test the wine to make sure there's no poison in it, to make sure that the king doesn't get poison. Um, so... Anyways, going into it, uh, Nehemiah had some family that had come and basically had told him how the wall of Jerusalem is still in ruin. Um, Israel is not in a good place. Um, they're basically open for another attack. If anybody, any other nation wanted to come and sweep through, they could have done it very easily. And so in this story, it breaks Nehemiah's heart to know his people are exposed. Literally any moment, their people could be taken over. And so his heart breaks, and he's praying for this need to see his, his family come back to the kingdom of God. And this, to see this, this uh, group of people, Jerusalem, being restored. And so we're going to pick up in Nehemiah 1, and we're going to look at this, this prayer need of Nehemiah. And the whole idea of today is praying for a need is more of drawing near to God than asking a genie for a wish. I know that kind of seems like, like, you know, a little too much about the genie part, but, but oftentimes that's how we treat praying for needs. It's like, God, do this for me. God, do this for me. And praying for a need is not meant to be just asking constantly for stuff to happen. Asking for a need from God is something that's meant to draw us closer to him. And so let's, let's, uh, let's read this prayer that Nehemiah prays. In Nehemiah 1, starting in verse 5. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins that we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in retreat, in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah gives us the perfect example of what it looks like to pray for a need. For him, the need was for his people um, in Jerusalem to have their wall restored so that they wouldn't be destroyed so easily. It was a need for them to, to go back to, to following God um, and his original design and purposes for them. It was to lead a movement to restore the Israelite city wall um, in Jerusalem and from that to restore their love um, for God. This is how we should pray for need. This example given from Nehemiah. And if you have notes, um, if you're taking notes or, um, you know, I would suggest to, but uh, if, if you're wondering, like, 
like like how do we pray for a need um write that at the top how to pray for a need and then this these are four ways or four parts to this that we see with nehemiah the first part is to recognize god's holiness we need to recognize god's holiness when we go to him with a need and here's the thing um as i've said before like god's not a genie and we often treat him like he is people don't know um who god is you know like if people often like they they haven't been to church before or maybe they're just discovering who who god is and they will oftentimes pray when they're desperate there of course is nothing wrong with going to god in times of need but nehemiah shows us that this passage um that he recognizes god is holy and why is that a big deal because it's a humbling experience for us it's realizing that we need god in this moment it's a way for us to go grow closer to him because we're admitting that we can't do it on our no on our own we need someone there for us who is fighting on our behalf and that person is god so when we're praying we're going to the literal god of the universe who created you uniquely who loves you and is for you and believes in you and values you and so recognizing god's holiness is saying god you are the leader of my life i can't do this i need your help in this situation and this is what nehemiah says in in the first verse of his prayer lord the god of heaven the great and awesome god who keeps his covenant love with those who love him and keep his commandments we need to recognize who the god is that we're going to we need to recognize who God is and when we let that transform us and how we pray man praying for a need no longer is like just basically asking for a pre- for something from your parents it it's a deeper relationship than that it's something beautiful that cultivates in your heart and it helps you to draw near to God the second way after we we uh recognize God hold God's holiness we confess the second part of that is confess and so the next thing that Nehemiah says in his prayer in verses 6 and 7 I confess the sins that we Israelites including myself and my father's family have committed against you we have acted very wickedly towards you we have not obeyed the commands decrees and laws that you gave your servant Moses what does confession do For me it humbles me and I hope it humbles you too. If we're going before God in confession and asking him to to forgive our sins, we're admitting that we don't have it all together. And the truth is we don't. None of us does. When humanity chose um its its own rule and reign over God's rule and reign in Genesis 3, we entered a world of sin. And so each one of us to some degree and actually, you know, all of us are plagued by sin. We're not perfect. So that means that each one of us is a sinner in need of God's love. And so when we confess, we're admitting that we've made mistakes. We're admitting that we don't have it all together. We're admitting that we're not perfect and that we need God to come in and help us. This humbling act was a part of Nehemiah when he said basically in 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 my own um version of this we screwed up and I confess that god 
I know these things, these sins that we've committed aren't good. In fact, they bring chaos and darkness into your beautifully created world. But you are highly exalted. I'm coming to you knowing that I can't save Israel, but it is only you that can. Please allow me the opportunity to be used by you to help with the restoring of the wall in Jerusalem. Now, how does that sound over, God, give me this, then I'll follow you. Amen. <laughs> Often when we pray, we, we follow the second example over the example that Nehemiah gives us, unfortunately. We think, um, when I finally overcome the sin, I'll pray or start to read scripture. Once God gives me a sign, then I'll start to follow him, right? By doing those things, we're unintentionally rebelling from God. They seem good on the outskirts, but by doing those things, we are showing that we think we have to earn our way to God. And the truth is that we see in Ephesians, Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. What saved you? God's grace, not your works. God desires for you to come to him. That's why he sent Jesus. What I have found is that the more I confess, the less selfish I become and the closer I get to draw near to God. The more I confess, the more humble I become and the pride starts to fall. In the middle of the confession, um, I'll admit things th that I ask for can't be done by my own power, but it's only through his that, that, that can, that they can. When we pray for a need, confession must be a part of it so that we humble ourselves before our Savior and show it's by his will and power, not ours. Nehemiah getting to help with the restoring of the wall in Jerusalem was not by his power, it was through God's. That's what he was praying for in this. So after we recognize God's holiness, after we um, confess, then we ask God to hear our prayer. Now, this might seem a little weird, you know, if you're praying for, for to God, um, like he should be hearing you, right? So, so why ask God to hear your prayer? And this is what Nehemiah prayed. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. God will always hear your prayers if you truly pray to him. If you're truly laying down your life and coming near to God, um, I'll be honest, I look and looked and scoured everywhere to see why Nehemiah would ask God to hear his prayer. And I, I could not find anything from a standpoint of research. But what I know is that I often God to hear me and I ask God to move in this situation and also for God to be with me. All things that he already does. So, so why do we often pray these things? And, and the best thing that, that I can think of is like, like think about when, when you were a kid, maybe, maybe even now, honestly, like there are times where I would talk to my parents and just be like, please stay with me. And when I was a little, little kid, I would say to my parents, please be my mom and dad forever. Why? Because I wanted affirmation of truth that I already knew. Nehemiah knew what the Israelites had done in their past was not good. 
But Nehemiah was desperately crying out to God, asking him to hear his prayer because he believed if God would do these things he was asking for, then God's people would truly be restored. For us in our prayers, when we ask God to hear our prayers, it's the same thing. It's asking God to hear us when we pray, to do his good will in our lives. It's us as humans crying out for God to, to listen and move in the situation. And while he is already moving, sometimes we just need to say it for ourselves so that we know that God will move. Sometimes we just need to ask God to hear our prayers so that we are reminded ourselves of the truth that God is with us. So pray for God to hear your prayers. He already does. But sometimes for us as humans, we, we need that reaffirmation. So after we recognize God's holiness, after we confess our sins, after we ask God to hear our prayers, then the last thing is to pray for favor. Now, I know what some of you are saying, like, like, like is, is some kind of prosperity thing that's going on? Or like, like, why would we ask for favor? Like, we're, we're told, like, you know, to, to pray it in, in his will. And like, yes, we do that, of course, you know, like, like pray for it to be done in his will. Um, but, but Nehemiah says it in this, in, in verse 11, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Nehemiah asked God for favor in this situation. And so I think for us, like when we ask for favor, it's not to get like this crazy big mansion or millions of dollars. In fact, like several verses talk about wealth leading us away from God, but asking for God's favor leads us exactly where we are. It doesn't mean like ask, you know, show me favor today, God, by allowing me to get an A on a test. God will show you favor um, by leading you directly where you need to go. By asking God for favor in a situation, it's not to, to get riches or get these crazy material items. Asking God for favor is is for us to hopefully draw closer to him. It's for us to ask God for favor in a situation so that we can honor him with our lives. Like, what was Nehemiah doing? He was asking God for favor so that he could help with the restoring of the Israelites. He was asking God for favor to be able to help this group of people go back to the kingdom that they once were, the kingdom of God. And so um, a little context helps in the situation of why Nehemiah would need to ask for favor. Um, in the book of Ezra, King Artaxerxes had issued an order for the city to cease, uh, talking about Jerusalem, to cease being rebuilt because he was afraid that if Jerusalem would be rebuilt, they would rebel again and try to overtake the Persian Empire. Not too far off as Jerusalem was rebelled against, uh, had rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar despite his oath of loyalty in 2 Chronicles 36. For Nehemiah, going to the king with this request would be dangerous. He could be fired. He could be executed. He could be demoted um, for even asking the king such a thing. He would literally need God's favor in this situation because the king who issued this order um, would have to overturn this decree and then would have to grant time off for Nehemiah to go. For us, we don't hear asking for favor too often because it kind of sounds selfish. But if it's a true need and not like some kind of wish from God, we should ask for favor just as Nehemiah does. When it's a true need, 
God will grant us favor when we ask for it. I truly believe that. There are times in my life where like, um, I wanna be careful when I say this because I don't want it to seem like if you ask for favor, everything will, will come together um, the way that you wanted it because it won't per se. But when I've asked for favor before, sometimes the answer is highly different than what I had in mind, but I still see God's favor in my life because of still being obedient, regardless of the direction he takes you in. You'll grow closer to God. I promise you that. If you ask for favor and you're not on your high pedestal and you let God humble you in the situation, the direction you're going in may not be what you had planned, but it's what God had planned. And you'll see that. If you're obedient and you're willing to be faithful, you will see that. And God will lead you to a more transformative life than you've ever known before. And so this week, as we work on praying for our needs, um, my hope is that we recognize that praying for a need is not going to, going to a genie with a wish. Praying for a need is meant to draw us near to God, drawing us near to Jesus, and watching how, as we pray for needs, um, how huge transformation can happen in our own lives, and it'll happen in other people's lives. Through Nehemiah, God was able to lead um, the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem and restore Israel back to, to what it used to be. And that was only possible because Nehemiah was willing to be obedient and faithful and willing to constantly pray for this need for, for the Israelites for until, until um, it was able to happen. Um, that we, we continue to see in the rest of the story of Nehemiah. And so for us today, my prayer is that um, we follow the example of Nehemiah when praying for needs. We recognize God's holiness, number one. We confess our sins before God. We admit that we can't do this alone, that we need him. We ask for God to hear our prayers because sometimes we just need affirmation ourselves that, that God is hearing our prayers. And then four, we ask God to show us favor by being obedient followers of him, regardless of the situation. So my challenge is this week, pray for needs. Don't pray just once, pray two times, pray three times, pray four times, pray five times, pray six times, pray seven times. Nehemiah, we don't see this, this happen, um, but he, I assume because of the timeline of when chapter one and chapter two happens, I assume he constantly prayed either the same prayer or something similar for six months around until he was able to have a chance at talking to the king. Some needs take more time than just once, and that's okay. But in that, we get time to, to, uh, to, to grow closer to God, to draw near to Him. And as we do that, we see our hearts transform and we fall even in more love with God. So pray for needs this week and follow the model that Nehemiah has given us.